law enforcement is always behind you. We are a lot, we are many, and we are tracing you. Someday we will get you. Hi and welcome to Sabi Reason's Malicious Life B-Sides. I'm Ren Levy. In this B-Side episode, we're traveling to Europe. Abdelkader Cornelius is a German threat researcher and CEO of InvSign, a company specializing in cybersecurity innovation and an expert on the cybercrime ecosystem in Germany, Austria and Switzerland. Being a threat researcher in Germany isn't easy. The German law prohibits any action that might assist cyber criminals in any way, and so things like bribing one crook to provide information about another, for example, are out of the question. Still, Abdelkader spent more than a decade researching the various hacker forms in German-speaking countries, and in this episode, he'll share with us a story about how we ended up helping the German police put a local cyber criminal behind bars. And this hacker was no easy catch. You might say he was a grizzled veteran, someone who managed to evade the law for 15 years. But everyone makes mistakes, and this guy's Achilles heel, it turns out, was an old Minecraft account. Nate Nelson spoke with Abdelkader Cornelius. Before I let you go, a quick reminder of our live Ask Us Anything online event that will take place on June 13th, 12 p.m. East Coast, 9 a.m. West Coast. Join us as we'll be celebrating Malicious Life's fifth birthday, reminiscing about how the podcast was born, discussing the challenges of creating a story-oriented technical podcast, and most importantly, answering all of your questions. Write it down. June 13th, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Western, and you can already tweet us your questions or email them to ran at ranlevy.com. That's R-A-N at R-A-N-L-E-V-I dot com. That's it for now. Enjoy the interview. Cotter, tell me about how you first came across the main character in our story today. <laughs> well, that's that's a funny funny thing because um, I first discovered or detected that that actor or that person on the German speaking cybercrime uh, community through my day to day research and day to day work. So it's like going into these forums, uh, reading the latest stuff, uh, looking the the conversation, people looking for let's say. Uh, services and so on and people offering services and he's been very very active very very long active on this community so the first time i detected him online has been 2009 and um, he had a very high user rank so he didn't pay money and so on so he had a good reputation from his customers and over thousands of posts and threats and that's German-speaking hacking community. And if you want to compromise a website or get your hands on the latest SQL injection and so on, you've been led or directed to this specific entity and should contact him, tell him what you want to achieve, and he would support you. So as you start to watch this guy, tell me, what do his actions, what do his marketplaces look like? 
Yeah, what the listeners and you need to know is that um, the German-speaking cybercrime community has never been very closed, like the top two communities we know from, from the Russian-speaking area or other countries. So it's been very easy to, to get in there. So all you had to do is to register or create a new your username and choose a password and just be active. Doesn't that make it harder to track one person if anyone can use a pseudonym or create multiple accounts? It's been very easy to, to detect his activity because uh, it's been everything open and in, and in public and uh, he didn't share any, any personal information or he didn't even leave any, well, let's say, ICQ or Java or any other contact uh, address in, in the forums he had to, to reach out to him via a private message. Um, but his targets and his services has been there in plain text on the German forums, and it's still today. So nothing nothing changed. Okay, tell me, though, how he evolved over the years. I imagine he started off doing smaller jobs and then built up over time. It's a little bit like he, he learned and he got better and better. He started with with small e-commerce sites, small web shops, um, small, let's say, infrastructures belonging to mid-sized businesses or small businesses in, in the German-speaking area, uh, and offered access to the back ends. Um, that happened for, for a couple of years. So he never did anything else. He, he never, let's say, shared his knowledge, how good he is and how he could be good as him or as himself. But over the years, he let's say he evolved. He um, got better in his skills. The targets they got much more bigger and bigger. So um, by the end of or in his last years, uh, he's been very successful in infiltrating um, large enterprises in the German-speaking countries and uh, large enterprises like financial institutions um, from the healthcare industry or even the the automotive industry. And uh, he didn't stop with just compromise the website and get into the back end. It also got in, or he also started to exfiltrate data, to look for specific data you're interested in, and um, also sharing or selling that data to, let's say, specific um, entities or groups um, interested in let's say, intellectual property and so on. What he also did or what also changed in the years is that he started to, to write um, tutorials, um, how to be as good as him and sell them. So uh, and not just for 50 euros or 100 euros, it's been uh, 500 euros, 1,000 euros. And his, let's say, premium tutorial has been uh, over 3,000 euros with uh, videos, uh, with uh, hands-on support, uh, choosing the right infrastructure to, co- to start your, your attacks against infrastructures or other infrastructures, which tools, where to buy these tools to compromise and to attack, uh, where to sell your data, um, to scan and filter the data, the valuable against the non-valuable data you find in an infrastructure. And what is the difference between getting into an e-commerce backend or getting into a healthcare backend? And is there anything else you could tell me about his typical techniques, tactics, procedures? He never used, let's say, ready-made custom or tools you were able to, to purchase on, on the dark web. He never relied on, uh, on something sold by other cyber criminals. Um, a lot of his scripts and tools he used, he wrote by himself. 
Um, he invested a lot of time and effort in reconnaissance, so to to understand the victims. He invested a lot of time uh, to read manuals uh, posted on the internet or available via Google from the manufacturers of the anti-fraud systems, so to circumvent them. Uh, he also invested a lot of time and effort um, to see if there are any jump hosts or let's say initial access available to specific infrastructures. Or what, what I know today after the, the investigation is that uh, he taught everything himself during his study in IT at the university here in Germany. He went to the university and uh, there he got taught everything around, well, IT and vulnerabilities and so on. And he used it for uh, his, let's say, business. And to be clear, for how many years were you tracking this guy before the big event that we're about to get to? He's been active since 2009. And the first time I detected him has been in 2012. Okay, so one day he up and disappears out of the blue. Describe for me what happened from your perspective, what you saw, what you were feeling. So if you logged in into these forums and there has been no post by, by this user, it's been strange. Um, it's been, it's, you did see it directly because um, at these cybercrime forums, the latest 50 posts, they've been on the top of the page and there you could see other stuff and there's been nothing. And then I looked in after a couple of, of hours again and again, nothing. And um, then also other users started to, to ask questions. Where is he? What happened to him? Etc. And I also reached out to my contacts and um, and asked them, okay, do you know what, where he is? Uh, did he tell you something? Is he on vacation and so on? But it's also not possible because he always told his customers and also the users when he's on vacation and when he's back and so on and so forth. So it's been really, really, really strange. And then you get a call. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I got a call from the state criminal police office um, responsible for cyber criminal investigations. And you must know and understand that here in, uh, in Germany, there's, well, 16 states or federal states, and each state is responsible for cyber crime investigations. And it depends where the most of the victims were or are that this state is responsible for the investigation. So they called me and they told me, Abdelkader, please go and find and look up or tell us everything and anything you find about that specific username. And it's been like, I can tell you right now everything and anything about that username. And they told me, no, please do it right and investigate some time and research everything you find in your sources you got in your reports and um, then come back to us the attack surface has never been larger or more diverse yet defenders are still forced to piece together intelligence from numerous siloed solutions that produce a flood of alerts in order to detect and end complex malicious operations. No more. Defenders can now leverage AI-driven Cyberism XDR powered by Google Chronicle 
to predict, understand, and end sophisticated attacks with the only solution on the market that delivers planetary-scale protection that allows them to predict attacker behavior through a revolutionary, operation-centric detection and response approach. CyberReason and Google Cloud are dedicated to teaming with defenders to end cyber attacks from endpoints to the enterprise to everywhere. Learn more about CyberReason XDR, powered by Google Chronicle, at cyberreason.com slash platform slash XDR. So does working with law enforcement change anything about how you conduct your investigation? Is there anything different that you do? The research I did, it must be, well, legal. Yeah. So I can't do anything, let's say, the easy way and uh, just to, to bribe other cyber criminals or to purchase anything or to bribe that would pay them to get uh, infos and so on. So I had to do and reach out to, to them like police officer or cybercrime investigator from the law enforcement agency. But why they reached out to me is because I got a huge and vast, let's say, network of sources in the cybercrime economy or the underworld economy in the German-speaking area. So um, during my research in the years before, I already collected a lot of of intel um, about that person. Um, that's law enforcement also did the same, but only mm, publicly available content. So they've been never able to, to read private messages. They never somebody shared private message conversations with potential law enforcement agents on these forums. It's something I got. They never had their hands on Java communication. So the cyber criminals are communicating via a pigeon. It's a messenger and by, with the OTR plugin activated, so it's encrypted messaging. And uh, they never get their hands on screenshots done by the people in that conversation. So that's what my sources also shared with me. With law enforcement also, uh, they had their hands on has been his uh, Minecraft profile. And why would that be relevant? Because a lot of cyber criminals, they do a lot of mistakes in their early years. And um, the, the first and only mistake that guy did is he had a profile on Minecraft and uh, that's been tied or that's been connected with an, with an email address that's been then also used in a public dump of a now defunct cybercrime forum uh, from Germany. And um, so I used um, my sources, so my, my, my digital sources, my contacts in the underground economy. I used uh, a very nice and good tool you, a lot of people are using, uh, Meltigo, to connect the dots, to connect my sources, to connect the intel. Got went through all my reports, everything I collected in the past, and uh, yeah, created a dossier for them, uh, shared it with the, with the law enforcement agency, and then, yeah, radio silence. Okay, but does all this data really matter, right? Like the Minecraft thing, is an old Minecraft profile, does it really matter towards looking into his cyber crimes? Yes. Yes, it does. It does. It does. Because the, the Minecraft profile 
uh, or his, let's say, identity he used in the, in the Minecraft profile has been later on tied to a compromise of an e-commerce website because the server he used to compromise the e-commerce website has been purchased with an account where the email address used in the Minecraft profile has been the same. Are those, would you say, the ways that he slipped up that allowed you to find everything about him and what amounts to, it sounds like, a relatively short amount of time? Yeah, his mistakes has been, he's been too active in the community a lot of years, so he posted a lot of content around his activities, so the targets, they've been tied, or they've been attached to his identity, so if you had his username, and you went through the history of the forums, you could see, okay, that's been his target, that's his victim, and so on. Um, in the early years, he didn't care, but it's just for his first or two years, around any operational security, uh, like he's used, well, email services in my country, which, well, if the law enforcement or the court asks for the details of the infos, they will share it. So he didn't... He used them with his with his home address IP, and and his major mistake he did in his early years is um, he thought that doing business with other people on the on the, on the forums is like doing business with friends. So um, in his chats, he's been too too friendly, and uh, but that's been only the first year. So he he changed his opsec very very fast, and he's been very, very good. And that's because a lot of his, let's call them friends or youth in, in the community, where they got raided and arrested by law enforcement over the years. And he did see what happens if you do, well, cyber crime in Germany and police or law enforcement gets their hands on you. And that's why he got very, very uh, suspicious and cautious. But the internet never forgets anything. You know, now that you've mentioned it a couple of times, your cyber underground contacts. How do you develop this kind of network that helps you out? It's trust, and that is trust without supporting the cybercrime ecosystem. Uh, you must know that my, or since the compromise or the hack of my uncle's uh, web shop, um, I taught myself everything around IT and started research or the research in, okay, where do these criminals work and live? And that's been the late 2000s. And from there on, I created my, let's call them avatars or legends on these forums. Every time I come across a forum, I've been, act, I've been active there or I created an account and started reading and posting in, mm, let's call them non or sections which are not, let's say, dangerous or could put you behind bars. So there are areas on these forums where they talk about the weather, for example, yeah, or uh, going on vacation or, or talking about cryptos and so on. So you can post their content, which is, yeah, which doesn't support the ecosystem. And the thing is with these communities or as a researcher on the underground community, um, if you got an account with very, which is very old, an aged account, five years, six years, 10 years, and you got, we are never ever got, let's say, no one told, said you, you scammed or you ripped another community member. And they see, okay, he's been a long time active. He got many, many posts and so on. So he must be 
senior and we can reach out to him, we can trust him. So with these age and old accounts, people just reach out to you and ask for your opinion or they throw and drop you samples of malicious software samples. Yeah, uh, For example, a couple of years ago, somebody just shared with me in the Russian community uh, VMware Escape, which is sold later on for 560,000 euro. It sounds there like you're kind of getting into dicey territory. It's getting much more difficult to do this because over the years here in my country, we got more and more anti-cybercrime laws. So um, you must see and look what is allowed now by, by law in the country where I live. So it's very, very, very difficult today in regards if you compare it with, with the past. I just wonder if the police ever end up accidentally investigating your online persona without realizing that you're on their side. Is there something that you do to prevent that or account for that potentiality? I always, um, let's say, make reports and not well write down what I do in regards of research. So even if law enforcement or someone else will contact me someday and tell me, hey, we got your identity from this community or the forum, oh, can you tell me something about it? I can show them, I can prove to them, okay, it is because of my research and, and so on. Yeah, but I can also tell you that a lot of researchers in my country, they don't care. So they just distribute or send cryptos from A to B uh, or pay other criminals to get access to the forums or purchase malicious software and so on. And that's not allowed. It's not allowed because it is funding a cyber criminal ecosystem. And here in Germany, they, well, it could be that you're supporting or funding a terrorist. Do you know who is at the other end who is receiving the cryptos and what he's doing with the cryptos? Okay, so back to where we left off, you submit your dossier and then radio silence. Wrap this up for me. I tried or I reached out to them after a couple of, of days or weeks and asked for my work. I sent to you is it has been good uh was it valuable and so on and say i didn't get anything back nothing <laughs> um until i i got another call one morning from the from the head of the um of the anti-cybercrime department well he shared the the big picture on the full story um with me first thing he told me is um that several pieces of evidence I shared with them were used as the uh, nail on the coffin to put him behind bars were enough for the judge to convict him, uh, to, to, to put him in bars. And um, what happened is his disappearance um, in 2020 has been directly related to an arrest of this guy at his um, working space or at his, in the company where he worked. So the officers, they got him and they arrested him and they detained him and they got evidence and they monitored his profile and his activities many, many years. And they thought or they almost had enough to, to put him in jail, but he denied that he's been that specific user. He denied that he's been doing this and that, and that, that evidence is tied to him. And um, with my research and what the investigator said, we could prove that from the day of his disappearance, 
never ever anything similar, any similar MO like he did it all the years ago happened again in the German speaking cybercrime community. And also with his Minecraft profile and the server he rented there to conduct the breach, um, that's been something they needed. And as they showed this to him, he confessed in front of his lawyer. And um, that's when they then, well, prosecuted him and he got a sentence of four years in prison without parole. So now that we get to see him, what is this guy like? He's been married. Uh, he had three kids. Never had any ticket for, I don't know, speeding ticket or, or anything similar. Never did anything against or anything criminal. But with his attacks and the income he generated with, with that stuff, he had three cars and two apartments in major cities here in Germany. Um, went four times a year vacation. His wife well, didn't have to work. Best places of a school and kindergarten for, for his kids. A lot of infos about this person you would never imagined that he would do such a thing. I wonder, you spend a lot of time in the cyber criminal underground where, you know, we have this image of the, the folks who are, who are down there. Um, they're seedy, maybe a little bit scary. Um, but now you encounter this guy who seems utterly normal. What was that like for you? Shocking, because you always have or got a picture of of a hacker or cyber criminal in your mind and so on. But it's just just an average guy I could be friend with if he's not a criminal or if you meet him on the street and it's like he had a family and it's been yeah, I've it's it's been I've been shocked at that time. Today, after a lot of more cases and incidents and so on, um, I know that it's always a guy a girl, a woman, someone with a very good paid or high salary job. Yeah. So um, I met today, I, I can tell you, I, I met everything from a guy who's been unemployed until, uh, until a, a doctor, yeah, a security consultants, uh, we arrested. Um, everything, er, anybody and everyone from, you can imagine is doing that that stuff and that what the law enforcement agent told me. Um, that's what they see every day if they got a suspect. It's always a normal guy or normal woman. Could be your neighbor. So what do you take away, Kader, from this guy and this investigation? Don't trust and never trust anyone on anything what you see and read. On these on these forums and these searches, because during my my research, people also wanted money for infos, or they also shared with me, let's say, unvaluable stuff uh, that I couldn't use, and I changed my kind of work also how I gather intel on the underground community, because I did see and find also. Um, gaps in my own OPSEC. Gaps I identified only because he had that gaps. And um, so I improved also 
um, my kind of, let's say, underground identity so that uh, cyber criminals won't see who is or what is my nickname or my avatar I'm using on the cybercrime forums. Is there any last word that you'd like to leave with us? Well, what I can say is that cybercrime doesn't, doesn't pay off. Yeah, a lot of people say hackers or criminals are two, three, or four steps ahead. But law enforcement is always behind you. And people like us, researchers, we are a lot, we are many, and we are tracing you. Someday we will get you. Oh my God. 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 Oh my